Blog Talk Radio. This is the Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. I'm your host, Pop Art Painter Jamie Rocks, and this is the big show. You found it. I sure am glad you did. Hey, it's a Friday edition. I don't know what it's like where you are. You guys are at uh, listening. Uh, I was just looking at the news a little bit ago, and it, I guess there's like a cold snap all over, uh, in the Midwest and whatnot. It is crappy and raining down here today. It is just raining and crappy. But, I, you know, I don't mind because I, I don't have to mow the lawn then. So that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Just working away, and then we, um, we've got our show today, and we've got a fantastic guest uh, on today with us. I watched his film the other day, uh, the other evening, and just loved it, just loved it. It's, it's, um, well, we're going to talk about it and whatnot, but it's very, very cool. Uh, it, it's 99, 98% spoken in French, but the subtitles, so don't let that scare you off. It's just a really, really cool film. Um, my show notes here are saying it's multi-genre. Which I would say it is. Uh, it, it's it's cool. It's, it's a little artsy, and you know that gets my motor going. Anyway, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Mr. Onar Tukel. Hopefully, Onar, I pronounced your name correctly. I probably didn't. I no, Jamie, you got it. Owner Owner Tukel. It's like owner. It's like corner without the C or owner. Like you know, my my southern friends for years that call me owner, and then my friends north of the Mason Dixon line would say owner. And then my, my Greek oh, friends you. and Turkish, you know, people who uh, know the actual Turkish pronunciation would, would say Onur. Onur is how they would pronounce it. So there's a lot of different Damn. iterations of it, and I, and, I, and I don't care how it's said. People usually botch my last name, which you didn't. People normally oh. put an R in the middle of the name, and they call it Turkle instead of Tukel. And that's a little annoying sometimes. But, uh, but yeah, Onur is great. You. you pronounce it great. Onur is great. As long as they don't do it on checks, then you're okay, you know. Um, <laughs> yes, that's right. In the film business, though, you rarely get – in the indie film business, you rarely get checks. So it's not like they you have to worry out. about they it. They don't come out. in, right? They go out <laughs> and they don't come in. It's, uh... <laughs> well, this film did not look um, – you know, all, my friends that are make indie films, they're, they're always like, well, you know, we make low-budget films. I'm like, some of them absolutely look low-budget films. This did not. This did not. This was, this was art, man. This was very cool. I, it's listed in the in the uh, the press packet I got. It says multi hybrid multi genre, and I'm like, I saw that. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Um, but I'm intrigued, and so I watched it. And then I've seen a couple people online, um, you know, doing Google searches and whatnot, were saying, oh, it's a horror film. Yes, in a way. Um, I mean, there's horror aspects to it, sure. But I, I'm like, did you guys miss the rest of the film here? Because there's a lot more going on than that, you know? Um, I really enjoyed this film. The film, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about is called That Cold Dead Look in Your Eyes. Fantastic film. Fantastic film. I really I really appreciate that, Jamie. And in a sense, to, to some of your points about the being low budget, I'm, I'm a very low budget filmmaker. We never really have a lot of money. 
to work with, but the goal of this was to try to make something that was cinematic and, and, and beautiful and kind of mesmerizing. Um, and, and, and I have to credit Eric LaPlanta, the, the DP for that. He's just really, and, and also Sophia Perala, the production designer, um, they just, they really worked hard to, to make it look beautiful. And that was the goal. Also, when you shoot in black and white, it can be very forgiving about not having a lot of money because, you know, in a lot of low budget independent films, you don't have a lot of money for production design which usually means, you know, you can't really make the wallpaper. You can't put beautiful wallpaper on the walls to give the scene texture. You're kind of beholden mm. to whatever is in the room. And, and when you shoot black and white, you know, white, you know, you can get away with having white walls in a movie. You know, if we would have shot this in color, it would have looked a lot cheaper. Um, so, but we, we, it was deliberate. The, the, it was designed to be in black and white. Um, and then going back going to your point of, like, the, the multi-hybrid, uh, multi-genre, Aspect of the film, yeah, um, that's just kind of how I work. A lot of my movies are dark comedies that have a little bit of horror. Uh, this movie has a little sci-fi in it because of the Theta Box. Um, you've got a lot mm -hmm. of drama. But I think, I think the movie to me is about the horror of becoming middle-aged uh, because I think that's essentially mm -hmm. what the movie is about. And, the, and this, this character is kind of he, – um, he goes through a very terrible experience. And I think if you have a character that's being terrorized for – for 90 minutes, I think that I can qualify true. as horror to some degree, you know, psychological horror, I Absolutely. guess. Absolutely. And because Absolutely. I guess the general idea is when you turn a certain age, in the case of, 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 uh, of Leonard in the movie, uh, you know, when you turn a certain age, when you turn 40, you're, you're kind of left with this idea of like, well, who am I? What I'm supposed to have a career. Maybe I'm supposed to have a family. <laughs> I'm supposed to have security, job security, a family, uh, to be somewhat responsible. And, you know, our main character in this movie has none of those things. In fact, his, his, his life is being blown apart. He's losing everything. He's losing his girlfriend, his job, his apartment. He doesn't really have um, uh, 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 a future in, in a lot of ways. So he's, right. he's just about he's the burden, the, exist, the existential burden of that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was watching this film and, you know, picking up on those points that you mentioned, I um, I definitely remembered – uh, when I was at that period in my life, I had um, I had lived out in San Diego at the time, and I, I had a gallery and whatnot. Then the um, the uh, 2008 uh, uh, economic uh, recession crash happened, and and people weren't buying paintings, man. They were loading up on yeah. canned food and shotgun shells. You know, it was yeah, a hard yeah. go. So I decided to make a change, and I said, man, I know these all these people all over the place. I'm going to move somewhere where it's a lot less expensive to live. I can live like a king spending what I am in yeah. Southern California, you know? So I went to visit my friend, a friend of mine I've had since high school and she's great. And, you know, she's an attorney and married to a great guy and they got a couple kids and, um, and I had a great time with them, uh, stayed a couple weeks. And then I was on to the next friend, just kind of scoping out, seeing if, where I wanted to set up my new base camp. And as I was leaving, and I had gotten this big deal on the uh, the Greyhound uh, bus thing. If you, if, I don't know if they still do it, but at the time, if you paid like 300 bucks or something, you got it was like a online pass anytime, anywhere. You just showed up and you get on. So uh, that was very good for for me. And um, as I was leaving on the Greyhound on the old dirty dog, I was looking out the window at her, and I was thinking, I had exactly what you're saying. I'm going, you know, where's my big house? Where's my kid? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. 
the funny thing about that is I told her um, later, a few weeks later, we were BSing on the phone, and I told her about that. She goes, oh, my God. She goes, that's so crazy, because I was looking at you leaving on the, on the bus going, there he goes, no mortgage, no responsibility. <laughs> she was yeah, jealous yeah. of my freedom. And so we, it was, you know, the grass is always greener. But you're absolutely right. That it's rough, man. It's, I don't want to give anything away from the movie. I definitely want people to watch it. Um, well, I see. Yeah, I cool. definitely. I mean, I think that if anybody's going through any kind of like, um, I mean, as you get older, I, that's the thing. It's just like you can't avoid it. Even if you have, I mean, if you have kids, of course, you have a financial responsibility. To me, that is terrifying. That's one of the reasons why I've avoided the commitment of children. Is that I, I, you know, I, I could. I, I, yeah, I could get a job, and I've worked nine to fives, and I and I I'm I'm, the, I'm in the gig economy now. I'm a freelancer, but like I can work a nine to five and have health insurance and, and 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 show up for work and do my job and do my job well. But I'm miserable, you know what I mean? And if I'm not mm-hmm. able to like make a movie, my own kind of weird movies, or paint my own weird pictures, or play music, or you know indulge in the bohemian single artist lifestyle, if I can't do that, I, I kind of would go crazy. And if I had a kid, I would be more responsible and I would hunker down and make some real money in order to you know, facilitate the upbringing of that child. But I would probably resent the child anyway. I mean, look, I, I express myself, you know, in order to just survive, just to cope with the the mm-hmm. madness of life, you know. And it's funny because this movie, in a lot of ways, the impetus of the film because Leonard isn't only going through this kind of reckoning with who he is and what he what he hasn't accomplished in life, he's also going through some sexual problems, like uh, sexual identity problems with mm-hmm. who he is. I mean, the whole thing could be a fantasy mm-hmm. for whether or not he's gay. So the movie, in a lot of ways, even though some people say it doesn't make sense, it makes a lot of sense to me without giving it away. Um, but the the catalyst for the film was really a girl that I dated. About seven seven years ago, and I was about 41, 42 years old. She was about 33, 34, and she said something that just stayed with me. She's like, well, I don't trust any guy who's 40 years old and who's never been married. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't trust them? You don't trust that they can commit? You don't trust – she's like, I don't trust that they're actually straight. She's like, they're probably repressed, and they're probably gay, and the reason why they haven't gotten married and they haven't committed is because wow. um, the thought of being in a heterosexual relationship for the rest of their lives is terrifying. Like, she was very succinct and very clear and very confident in her thoughts about mm. this. And I thought it was really interesting, and I'm like, oh, it, you know, it, and I'm always, you know, I, I, I'm – I'm straight, and to even say that is almost like, oh my God, what is this gender uh, homophobic asshole? Like, it's like, but you know, in a way, it's like, oh, am I straight? Like, I, you know, I've made out with a guy once, and I've never gone beyond that. And in a way, I wish that I had done more. I wish I'd had a a more um, solid, penetra- penetrative uh, sexual experience with someone, but I haven't. Is it because I'm repressed? Is it because I'm homophobic? Is it because I'm just straight? Maybe I'm bi, maybe I'm not. So I'm always kind of like playing around with these notions of, of, of whether or not my own sexuality and who the hell I am and that movie is the movie is kind of an abstract exploration of those thoughts you know I can't they're not concrete I can't exactly articulate what they are um, and I don't want to actually try to demystify the movie by explaining what the metaphors are but to me like it was coming from a place of pure id where a lot of my movies come from but as I've sat back and I've you know, spent a year and a half editing a movie and it makes sense to you you know those metaphors uh, you know, they, they they start to reveal themselves a little bit more um, um, honestly, I think, you know, like, oh, that's what that means. Oh, that's absolutely. What that means, you know? 
Yeah. And I for, I forget the character's name, but um, it, and it, it I don't know it's, he wasn't forgettable. He's fantastic. Um, uh, Marie's father, uh, the photographer. Um, oh yeah. And he yeah, brings yeah. up those points to Leonard in the bar, you know. Uh, and, yeah, and no, of course. Valid questions, you know. I mean, it's like, yeah, because Leonard. I mean, yeah, he's going through a. There's a lot of bullshit happening, and there's a lot of stuff. But then again, he ain't really. He don't have a lot of hustle going either. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, you know that he's character kind of adrift in this water. Yeah, that character. You know that character represents. You know. Alan, I'm going to actually look up the name. I'm really terrible with learning the names of my own characters. Um, mm-hmm. Dennis, his name is Dennis, right? So Dennis, Dennis the right, photographer Dennis. that Alan Seppos plays, um, you know, he's this aged, uh, you know, older in his 70s photographer. He represents kind of me. I'm about to turn 50, and I feel like mm-hmm. I kind of had a kind of an independent. No, my, I've made maybe 13 feature films, and now I'm not even in the minor league. I'm basically in rec. I'm in the rec league, right? Like I don't. I've never. I've played a couple of major. I've played the Toronto Film Festival once with a movie called Catfight, and you know it did it, it did well. It was an interesting film. We sold it to Netflix, and it's on Netflix now, and it's got some big actors in it: Sandra Oh, Anne Heche, Alicia Silverstone, and and it was um it was a kind of a milestone for me in my career, and I thought. Oh man, great! This is like a gateway. This is a stepping stone to a real career in film and television that never materialized. I never really tried to play the game, but I also was never approached for agents or managers. I mean, like it just you know my work is is a little bit. I don't think it's necessarily mainstream. But uh, four years later, here I am making movies that are you know that but that movie had a decent budget. But you know you try to get to making movies for multi millions of dollars and higher budgets and and and, 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 and on mm-hmm. bigger streaming platforms that people can see. Or having at least more um, aware – people could be more aware of your movies. Um, and that never really happened for me. So in a way, uh, Dennis's character, who feels like this has been, in a way I'm channeling some of that in the movie, you know, feeling like, oh, my God, I had a, you know, I had, had a little success back in the day, but now I feel very, very uh, indif- uh, invisible in a lot of ways. And there can be – you know, you have to deal with that and reckon with that. And, but at the same time, oh, you do. <laughs> that independent filmmaking is about rejection. It's about being invisible. Not a lot of people know who you are, see your movies. Um, and it's about just doing the work. I, I don't call myself an independent filmmaker anymore. I, I'm basically calling myself an underground filmmaker. And, and I feel like this is a oh, kind of okay. typical underground cinema with, with, with a little bit more sleekness. I mean, this thing definitely does look and sound much more professional than a lot of underground movies. But I definitely – I'm trying to make underground movies now. The next movie I'm doing is going to be the most underground of all. And then I'm going to take a break and go into some other things. Like you were saying, leaving San Diego, living somewhere cheaper, living like a king somewhere else as opposed to a pauper in a, in a, in a bigger market. Like that is kind of my goal is like I'm going to make one more little movie in New York and then I'm going to leave and go somewhere okay. to have a new, a new, a new adventure, you know, because I'm kind of – New York isn't, you know, it's not really, I mean, there, and no one, I can't book movies in theaters here. I can't get reviewed right. here. And that's like, all right, I'm, okay, I'm not going to stay here anymore. Like, in a way, there's that arrogant thing of this city doesn't deserve me, which is people can laugh at that. It's like, you know, the, the hubris of an artist, that's, uh, that's part of it, you know, the insecurity of an artist, <laughs> the hubris of an artist. I'm normally very <laughs> self-deprecating, and for me, the movie is a self-deprecating movie like Leonard is supposed to be me how I feel now how I always feel which is kind of like down about myself but uh ultimately you know at some point if you feel like you're making interesting original art 
and no one's paying attention. You ha- you're not inspired to be there anymore. I'm, again, I'm, I'm maybe inspired right. to make one. I've been very inspired in New York the last 10 years. I am not very inspired anymore. So the plan is to leave. And also it's like paying so much for rent here. It's like, what's the fucking point, you know? It's like, I, don't, I love New York. No, I always I the gatekeepers. The gatekeepers here, I just don't give – I'm like, fuck this. So I sound angry, right? Do I yeah. sound angry? Yeah. I mean, I probably am, but, you know. <laughs> and now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www.jamierox.us. This is a message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Older adults and people of any age who have serious underlying medical conditions are at higher risk for severe illness from COVID-19. If you are at higher risk, you should stay home as much as possible and avoid close contact with people who are sick to protect yourself. Call your doctor if you have concerns about COVID-19 and your medical condition or if you get sick. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Metal Babe Mayhem is more than just an online store, it's a destination. MetalBabeMayhem.com carries over 150 rock and roll products, including clothing, jewelry, and accessories. Metal Babe Mayhem also offers shrine clothing and alchemy gothic jewelry. In addition, Metal Babe Mayhem founder Allison Metal Babe Cohen is a rock and roll journalist who supports local and national artists with rock and reviews, interviews, playlists, networking, and more. Metal Babe Mayhem is taking over the world one shirt at a time. Glittering amethyst, energizing citrine, colorful fluorite, the other side of the sun, Earth's treasures brought to light. Since 1999, we have offered a unique collection of hand-selected minerals and gems for every budget, for novices, collectors, and healers. Visit www.tosots.com to view our wide selection of offerings and use coupon code ROCKS, that's R-O-X-X, for 10% off your first order. Remember... T-O-S-O-T-S dot com. Earth's treasures brought to light. Hi folks, Jamie Rocks here. Hey, if you're a big fan of uh, historical, cool historical books uh, like me, then you're going to want to check out our newest uh, show sponsor, Michelle Albion. Uh, fantastic author. She's got some really interesting, cool books out uh, that you're going to want to check out. I'm a big fan of all of these. Uh, the Florida Life of Thomas Edison, the quotable Edison, quotable Henry Ford, uh, quotable Eleanor Roosevelt, and, of course, the quotable Amelia Earhart. Uh, Michelle's just very keen and, and very, very cool. Um, and these are just 
very cool books. So check out her website. Uh, there's links to uh, where you can pick these up on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, all over the place. Uh, MichelleAlbion.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-A-L-B-I-O-N.com, MichelleAlbion.com. Very, very cool stuff. Check it out, folks. What new I mean, has changed a lot. I mean, if you see if you like, see any of my movies, there's a, a a lot of my Catfight is a very angry movie, and a lot of my movies mm. are very angry. I mean, there, there's a there's a kind of a flippant kind of cynicism to it, like this kind of cynicism with a smile. But um, you know, I've I've got some pretty brutal movies out there. There's a movie called The Misogynist that's that's pretty hardcore. It's a very I tend to critique the culture uh, uh, that I, that I'm sitting in, and of course you're in the cultural melting pot of, of New York. You know, it's easy to mm. you kind of see you get a temperature of what's coming out of here, how the rest of the the culture is affected by it. You know, so what kind of things do you paint? What kind of what kind of stuff? Oh, like pop art and stuff. You know, it's very true. I tell you, I loved in the film. Um, a couple times when Dennis, uh, somebody would say, oh, he used to be famous. He used to be somebody or whatnot, you know, and he would catch him. Yeah. And, you know, he'd correct them. And I got to tell you, man, I, a couple weeks ago, I had a, uh, a client, uh, you know, that really didn't know my work, knew some people that knew me, an older gentleman, and really hadn't checked out my work. And so he wanted a specific painting painted. He, he wanted himself in a, in a tank. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I can, I, you know, I can do that, no, no problem. And it was, um, it was weird though because we didn't have a good communication, I guess. He, I think, thought that I do like caricatures of people, you know, like on the boardwalk. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's not what I do. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, right. And I, I totally get where you're coming from because, you know, and my wife kind of pointed out, she's like. Okay, Picasso, you need to reel it in a little bit. This guy didn't know that. You know, he doesn't know your history yeah. or, you know, what you're about or anything, you know. Um, yeah. Because I guess I was being a little verbal about the whole deal to her. <laughs> and um, yeah. the cool thing about my wife, yeah. she doesn't take a lot of gruff, you know. She's like, no, that's good. Yeah. My, my ex girlfriend was the same way. Yeah. No, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You need someone I, to, I mean, to, to not let your ego get out of control, you know. But at some point, but also, too, you, you do have to have validation as an artist. You do have to have some people really? saying, oh, I can recognize that what he or she or it or they are doing is interesting and different and, and yeah, and singular. And, uh, and right. then, you, then you, see, you just see this homogenized corporate product being elevated and, and it canonized. It's fucking brilliant. And how can – it gets frustrating, you know? Um, but, you know, there's a desperation Absolutely. to be an artist. like. Dennis in the in the movie in the movie Dennis is trying to go a different direction with his art. No one gives a fuck. They won't let him. So he so he decides <laughs> to say, "Look, let me be as shocking as possible. Let me try to be shocking and really wake everybody up." And let me and so you know, is he doing it because he's sincere? Is he indulging some kind of perverted perversion that he has and he wants to see a bunch of naked men and look inside the cavities of naked men? Is he doing this because he truly believes in the in the art? And he feels like it's it's, it's opening up some some uh, you know saying something really interesting about the human body and the male body. I don't know. It's not for me to say, but I think it's an interesting you know interesting storyline and it's an interesting thing to devote to talk about because the movie isn't just trying to be tantalizing; it is trying to bring up you know concepts and conceits about art that you know that, right. that, that, that you know that it is a deep. I think there's a lot going on in the movie. It's much deeper than my 
movies normally are, you know. Because <laughs> it, it asks the it asks the audience to you know bring a lot to it and to fill in. I don't normally make movies that are puzzles. It's just not. I don't like watching movies like that. I'm a kind of a steak and potatoes film. I'm a popcorn film watcher. I like movies where mm-hmm. you know I, I, that aren't that, that aren't subtle. That are very much. There's no subtext. It's all very much text. So I never normally make films like this, and, uh, and it was it was an experiment, and the you know the investors were all about it, us taking a chance, taking a big chance, and I think we succeeded. Mm. I think that movie's not completely successful, oh, but yeah. you know, um, but you know, it's 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 hard to be an indie filmmaker that has a film coming out and feel like you make something cool, and just to be like, oh man, cool, you know, I hope a lot of people see this, and we tried our best. It's like no one's going to fucking see this movie, and they should because it's better than a, most of the stuff that's out there. I sound like such an asshole, but, you know, whatever. No, like, not I, at all. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, because you nobody sound like a, likes like – I, I myself, I hate angry artists. Like I hate artists who, get, who, who sit there and, and try to prop themselves up. I thought that Dave Chappelle, the Dave Chappelle um, show, that, that concert was, was terrible not because of the subject matter – because he took himself so seriously, and he had no self-awareness, exactly. and, he, and, he didn't, and, he, and he didn't make fun of himself, and he had the presumption to sit there and say, I'm the greatest of all time, or some people have called me the goat. I mean, when, it, when mm. a comedian goes on stage and says that, and, and look, what am I, who, who the fuck am I to sit there and say, oh, my film is better than most of the stuff out there? I'm not watching most of the stuff out there. I don't know. And a lot of people think this movie is terrible. Um, we played. We showed the movie. We we submitted to 25, 30 film festivals in 2019, 20. Nobody accepted the film. Everybody rejected it. 25, 30. We played really? no festivals. I think we. Yeah, I, my friend at the Charlotte Film Festival played it, and my friends at the Sidewalk Film Festival played it. We're not booking any theaters in New York. The the artist, the the, the photographer, whose uh, photography we used in the movie. He hates the movie. He thinks the movie is a piece of shit, which is great. I don't mind that people are hating the movie, but um, <laughs> there are also the people. There are also people who watch it, who 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 see it, see that we're trying to do something really interesting and different. And it's also mm-hmm. a beautifully, masterfully done movie, so that it deserves points on that as well. And it deserves points for uh, being just bold and, and and trying to do something different. Anyway, I'm sorry. Let's change the subject, or we can't change the subject. <laughs> this is what we're talking about. So, you know. Let me ask How you often are you paying? What is your, you what are you getting up every day? Say it again. Oh, go ahead. Finish your thought. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Are you, how often are you painting? Is it something you do every day? Is it a cathartic no, thing yeah. or is it just commissions or is it like a cathartic thing? No, no, no. It's both. It's both. But, but let me let me preface that is I it's taken me a long time to train myself to paint it. I'll paint every day. Um and and it's just that's what works for me. That doesn't work for everybody, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, at least three or four hours. Um, but I ain't, I ain't punching a clock if that's what you mean. Um, but I wanted to ask you because one of my other passions that I don't do at all, that I just appreciate it, is music. And and you had mentioned very briefly earlier about how you have to create something, whether it be music or paintings or or film. Um, did you do the music in this film? Because the music. Oh fuck is, no no the music fight. was done. The music is done by a brilliant composer named Michael Montez. Um, he is oh, okay. he's done a few of my movies. He he did my movie Applesauce uh, that actually has Max Costello in it. Max Costello is in this as well. He did my movie that came out in July called um, Scenes from an Empty Church. He did a beautiful job with that. But 
I think the I think the music of the, the movie might be the one of the best aspects of the film is uh, I think it's a character in itself. I think it's very um, a, a prov- evocative and also just fuck kick ass and amazing and electrifying. And uh, you know, because I think you know, and, and so I you know, Michael Montez is just someone who is so generous with his gift for music to to lend his expertise to my films. We would never really have a lot of money, and he just liked working with me. And I, he really, he was really inspired by the project, and you can tell by the music. Like, I, it wasn't my, I, I didn't really know what kind of mood we were going for when I, you know, so you know, when I do my first edits of my movie, I'll lay down music, some soundtracks, and whatnot. And you know, I had a couple of little techno tracks in there, but but it didn't really, not to the extent that he used no. it throughout the film. And I just think that bombastic. Um, soundtrack, it's a perfect, it, it works perfectly in the movie for Leonard's kind of disorientation of where he is mentally, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, it'll, you'll have a scene, a quiet scene that plays out, then you'll have this interstitial scene where where Leonard is just traveling on his motorcycle, either to work or back home, and you've got this bombastic oh, tech music yeah. playing, and it's just, I just think, again, without being able to explain it, it you know, it's just like, it just works on a, on a very primal level. He's, he's, Michael Montez is fucking fantastic. I mean, and if you compare the music he does with scenes from Nifty Church, which is like strings and it's just very melodic and it's very transcendent and, and kind of surreal and beautiful and spiritual, <laughs> and this is completely 180 degrees different. It just shows you his the his just how you know um, diverse of a of a musician he is. Just how he's just got so many tools and so many different musical styles. He's really fantastic. Yeah, I think the soundtrack is going to be released in a week or two, so people can listen nice. to it on Spotify. It's so good, yeah. yeah. I'm glad that you pointed it out. Thank Absolutely. you for mentioning that, because I, I think you I think yeah, it's really man. great. Yeah. I'm telling you, that was banging in the background. He, Leonard was on the motorcycle going across the bridge. Again, I don't want to give anything away, but I will say this. It, it sounded to me, and maybe I'm the only one, but it sounded to me what Fatal Waves would sound like if they had a sound. Oh, that's you know? great! I love that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, the fadeaways are a big part of the um, of the of the movie. I want to mention Caroline Nelson, who who designed the Theta Box. She did a really great job again, working with almost no money. Um, yeah, the Theta Box is just kind of our own kind of play on, um, you know, 5G. I think it's pretty obvious, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, um, yeah. I, I thought, you know, again, Ma- Ma- Michael Montez was inspired by the script and I think inspired by that aspect of the, the science fiction aspect of the movie, the theta waves and, and the fact that, you know, we're all, maybe we don't know, you know, you, you heard all the conspiracy theories about how it's like you're penetrating our organs or like confusing all of us and whatnot. Or, and so, you know, just playing to that, that, that idea uh, because it was happening at the time and it was like, that was where all the information was. And, and I felt like, okay, this would be fun right. to have uh Leonard's existential, you know his his kind of doubts about his own self worth being compounded by you know these 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 theta waves these uh, you know that are that are emanating from the from the boxes that are placed mysteriously placed all around the city which is supposed to represent you know the the Svengali behind the curtain who's behind these theta boxes that what is what is the what is the point of this it's got to be something more sinister going on so um, you know it's, it was great like everyone's looking for. An, not everyone, but a lot of people are looking for excuses 
to why uh, they are the way they are, maybe why they're not as focused as they're supposed to be. Well, it's, it's the cell phone. Oh, it's yeah. other stuff. I got a lot on my mind. So yeah, that was the idea was to say, look, it's te- technolo- technology kind of uh, the idea that technology was uh, interrupting our own mental frequencies, our own process thought, you know. So. And now, folks, a couple of quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www.jamierox.us. My Love Shack Apothecary online shop has everything you need to build a special gift for yourself or someone who needs a little pampering. I hand make all of the products in small batches using only plant-based ingredients and therapeutic grade essential oils. Whether you choose one of my curated sets or want to build a custom gift set, My Love Shack Apothecary has everything you need to send a little sunshine to someone today. Please visit us online at www.loveshackapothecary.com. That's www.loveshackapothecary.com. As well as online on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in our website. Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime, and treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit makingcancerhistory.com. Aloha. If you have stress in your life or even anxiety and panic, I want to invite you to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast for a way out. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast is a relaxing and inspiring show, bringing you lifestyle changes to calm your nervous system and help you heal. Heal anxiety, panic, and PTSD for life. We bring you two episodes every week. There's no need to walk this path alone. Join us for a relaxing, informative, and inspiring time and start your journey out of anxiety panic. That's anxietycoachespodcast.com. Aloha. Hey there, my name is Paige Beatty, and I am the founder of Hats On and Hats Off, which are two separate companies but aligned by the same philosophy of raising cancer awareness and forming smiles. Hats On is a for-profit corporation that sells cancer-specific hats to be proudly worn by you in hopes of raising awareness. A percentage of the proceeds will be donated to Hats Off, which is a nonprofit corporation raising money to buy wigs for cancer patients who can't afford them. That's where we're forming smiles. I believe cancer has touched almost everyone's lives in one way or another. A friend, a family member, a friend of a friend. So please visit our website, www.hatson, 
HatsOff.com to learn how you can help raise awareness and form smiles. Rocks Gear, the online webshop of high-end luxury merchandise and products. All featuring original pop art paintings. From La Holla to Miami to London, www.merch.jamierocks.us. Yeah, yeah I, I like I, I love the theta box, and also it, it gives it a really there's the eye, you know, there's the theta symbol inside of it, which means death, the Greek mm-hmm. symbol of death, which is which is of course you know, pretty obvious in the movie, you know, with the black and white, and could 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 Leonard be dead? Is is it all a dream? Who knows? Um, that's a simplistic, reductive way of looking at it, but but uh, but also just this kind of omniscient eye that's always watching, you know, just kind of blinking and watching. Yeah, and 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 I don't know. I mean, like it's simple. It's been done before, and and uh, I don't can't remember specifically where I may have been influenced, but it could have any from anything. And you think about, um, um, you know, Kubrick's Close Encounters. You know, not Close Encounters. Kubrick's. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, what the fuck is Kubrick's movie from 1968? Jesus Christ, the space the space on it. Jesus Christ! Yeah, like yeah. just that that fucking the tower. The, 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 yeah, the, yeah, exactly. It's like how and the big tower at the end, and it's like you know it could be influenced from those kind of things. Um, one of the Wait. absolute influence. Yeah. No, finish your thought. Finish your thought. Go ahead. I'm. I'm well, listening. one of the I, I, there is one egregious influence. Um, it was from um, I don't know if you ever saw Sam Fuller's The Naked Kiss. I have it. Sam Fuller's The Naked Kiss. Put that on your list. It's, an, it's a brilliant movie from, from like, 19, early 1960s. And there's a scene mm-hmm. in the movie where this nurse goes into this uh, ch- children's ward hospital where all these children are, are debilitated and, they, they, you know, they're, they're sick or they're dying or they're in crutches. And they're just, they're, you know, they're, they're convalescing in some way or they're moribund. They're on, the way, they're on the way towards death. And they all do this song together. They sing this pirate song. They sing this song together that's eerie and creepy and kind of beautiful. And it comes out of nowhere, and it's really sinister. Um, and the scene where Leonard goes to the safe house, uh, you know, 30 minutes into mm-hmm. the movie, and there's those, that trio of women there, and one of them's been beaten really badly, and the other one's had acid thrown in her face. I mean, it's not... It's nothing like the scene in Naked Kiss uh, from Sampler's Naked Kiss, but the tone or the feeling of it I, I wanted to replicate because I wanted the scene of the three women just to kind of feel like this weird uh, short film that could be could, that could exist on its own, and, uh, and you know, and it was also creepy and weird and didn't really make a lot of sense, but that you couldn't really stop watching. To me, it's my, one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And just like in the Naked Kiss, that song, the pirate song uh, uh, from Naked Kiss is just amazing. So I don't, Naked Kiss is a that, – that is the only thing I egregiously feel like I am consciously aware that I was, uh, um, you know, trying to trying to create some kind of tribute to or homage. Not homage because you would never know it was an homage, but just I was very – I tend to try not to watch a lot of movies when I make a film because I don't – you're going to be influenced from every conversation. You're going to extrapolate from every movie you've ever seen. I try not to watch movies when I watch films. I know some filmmakers are the exact opposite. They watch as many films as they can and get a lot of ideas from that. I try not to do that, but uh, in this case, you know, sometimes uh, 
the things that you really love, you just wear them on your sleeve when you're when you're when you're directing or writing, you know. So I was like, I want to make it well, seem I, like that. In, yeah. I got from the the three women. I, I totally got Greek myth, the Stygian witches vibe. You know, that Perseus goes to for advice and all this and that. I, oh yeah. I thought it was much deeper. <laughs> You know, or, or I thought it was going in that direction, but then again, this movie there were some twists that got me. You know, I I really dug it, man. I, I'm telling you, maybe. I appreciate that. And yeah, hey, I think it would have been cool to ha- to have those guys be like an oracle or some sort. But um, yeah, that's what I, I was. At the end of the day, they saved Leonard's life. They either save him or they cast him down mm-hmm. to some eternity of hell. Who knows? But. They're either his saviors or his tormentors, but uh, I think I wanted to show it at the beginning, like this is a place where he was, he did not feel welcome and he was more afraid. At the end of the day, he had to choose sleeping on the couch, considered hell, or going back to his house, his own apartment, sleeping on the couch, where there was another hell, but it's a little bit more manageable at least. I don't know. Like he he has to choose between two places, yeah. And that's funny because he's choosing between – you know, five naked men and a, and, a, and a perverted photographer or three women, you know. He could be on the couch of the right. three women or on the couch of the naked men. So, you know, that he makes his choice. If, if, you know, if, so, again, there's there's very subtle things there. No, or maybe not so subtle. I've never – I'm not a subtle filmmaker. But, but it, it, you know, you, know, it, you, know you, have to, you have to piece these things together and make your own narrative, which I think is fun. I, again, it's not the kind of films that I gravitate towards to now when I was younger and I like to watch things that were experimental and more artsy and foreign films. I loved all of it. I loved, mm. I loved the creative aspect of, of watching a film and, and being part of the, the writer of the, of the piece, or at least the writer of the connecting all the, all the storylines and all the themes and whatnot. So it's a, definitely a fun really? way to make a film. It's a fun way to make a film because you don't, if you question what you're doing, if you, if you think too much about logic or, or intent, um, it, it almost like it diffuses it. You know, if, you, if it starts to make sense to you mm, while you're mm. making it, it's almost, I don't know, like it's, 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 not as, it's not as enjoyable. And I think it might, in my case, I don't know. I don't know if I could, I could I never make a movie like this ever again, as I'll put it that way. In a lot of my movies, I repeat some of the themes and stuff. And a lot of my movies, actually, the themes of, of being a middle-aged man-child who can't commit to something, that's a big part of a lot of my movies as well. <laughs> you don't have a lot – a lot of my movies don't have, like, the happy nuclear family with the white picket fence and, 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 and you know, a wife and husband with right. a lot of kids and being happy. It's really unhappy people that are basically, um, you know, isolated around people a lot of ways, but isolated because of their own attitudes about life and their own anger and resentments. You know, I apologize for sounding so – bitter and angry earlier it's just that um you know i don't know it's residue from a movie that came out in july called scenes from an empty church that i made it's got kevin corrigan uh, uh, max casella thomas j ryan it's a really beautiful beautiful movie that that no one knows about and you know i just have is it out right now it's out yeah i think you can probably watch it for free on amazon prime you know and and it's much different yeah, check out Catfight, check out Applesauce, check out Summer Blood, or don't, or don't check out none of them. It's fine. I appreciate the interview here. It's nice talking to you. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Hey, and whatever actor, I don't know his name. I couldn't find it on IMDb or anything, but the homeless guy, that was a breakout performance. He just wanted to sleep on a couch. Just I, I gra- gra- 
Yeah, I'm bad with name. Ira, uh, you, you, I can't pronounce his name correctly. Ira Graver, oh Jesus Christ, I'm not good with names. Ira, let me look him up real quickly on my email as I'm as I'm talking about him. Um, he's a beautiful uh, Ira Gavamian, G H A V A M I A N, and A R Y A is the first name. I'm not pronouncing it correctly because. I'm an idiot about shit like that, about other things. He's, um, he's terrific. He's a really sweet guy. He's a friend of mine who um, I ran into on the street one day. We were hanging out. I, I've known him for a while, and we ran out on the street. And I, and I was like, oh, I, I, he spoke French. And I'm like, you speak French? He's like, yes. And because he, I think he's Iranian, and he speaks French. And, and, mm. and that, you know, that, was, that was a big – that was a prerequisite. If he spoke French already, like I wanted you to – at least audition for the movie, you know, like there are a lot of French right, speakers yeah. in New York and we, and we, and we, and we tried to find as many as we could. Um, and because he's but French, he's also a very sweet guy. He, I think he's going on tour with this, this show that he has called Disco Tehran, which is kind of just like a really yeah. cool Middle Eastern, like fusion uh, uh, dance show where people come and dance and have a great time. And I think that's kind of his uh, bread and butter. That's his art, I believe. And, and but he also nice. does some acting and I thought he did a, really really great job and and you know his french isn't seamless he had to learn the french kind of phonetically and really practice it and even when he makes a few mistakes in the movie we kind of leave those in because it makes him sound like um you know he's just uh he can't get his thoughts out straight you know he stutters a little right. he stammers so all that stuff worked out well i remember we the take that's in the movie when the first scene that he's in when he's asking leonard for money He's kind of, you know, he struggles through it, and after the take, he's like, "Oh, owner, I, I messed that up." I'm like, "No, from 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 watching it, it seemed really real, and it seemed like you were just fumbling with with the words. Um, it seemed very believable. It was difficult for me because I don't speak any French at all, so I had a hard time really? initially, kind of adapting to directing French actors. You know, and also too, you know, the French hate this movie. Like everybody in mm. France, and, 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 and we've shown it to in France has been like, this movie is not good. And they're very, very um, hostile about it. And I think it's because of the French in the movie. And they're like, why do we don't understand? Why are, why are there these Americans speaking French? And why are, they, why are they in New York? And why is everyone speaking French? And sometimes they're speaking English. And I'm like, why, why, why? Why are you asking these questions? It's an expressionistic art film. You know what I mean? We can get away with whatever the fuck we want. It's like, and you're asking, that's what bothers you is the fact Say it again. When the guy made the joke about being from Quebec, I just I almost fell off the couch. We have so many <laughs> yeah, Quebec no, tourists down that's here. Funny. Like, I may have cha- I, I could have changed that joke to Winnipeg. I maybe should have, but uh, uh, I don't know. I just any, I think any any Canadian uh, you know um, city mm-hmm. would have done uh, would have would have. But that's funny that that, that you said that. Uh, yeah, my friend Michael Tully said the same thing. So that joke made him laugh out loud, and it's the situation being really, really funny. A guy spreading his his asshole and saying, I, "I'm from Quebec. I have no shame." Um, but you know, the French, they, you know, they're a lot of the English speakers who speak French. You know, the French is not perfect, and it's broken, and it's maybe a little, you know, right. it's not correct pronunciation. And we we even call ourselves out on that. We have. You know, Leonard, the main character who speaks beautiful French, is making fun of Dennis, who doesn't speak great French, and says, your French is horrible. You're terrible. You speak terrible French. And, of course, Dennis retorts with, you, you are a terrible cook. Your, your food tastes like shit. Right. And it's like, we, we, we we're aware. We're aware that the French is not perfect. People don't, I mean, I don't speak perfectly English. My English is horrible. And 
Most people don't speak eloquent, perfect, you know, French or English, especially if it's a second language. So we were, I think there's enough self-awareness to say, look, we know that we're not, you know, that we're not, this is not, you know, we're bastardizing the language. I don't know. Then again, maybe French people think it's insulting, or maybe they just think the movie is terrible. I don't mind yeah. if someone thinks the film is bad. I don't mind at all if they, if they trash it and say, this is a stupid, terrible film that makes no sense. I have no problem with that whatsoever. <laughs> and I would love it if people would review the movie and say that. But I also think they're – and I have fans in the movie who just think it is a terrifically weird and, and refreshingly bizarre oh, yeah. indie movie. I'm yeah, in you know? so, I'm in yeah, Thank camp. you. I appreciate hey, that. Game. Little... That means a lot, man. Oh, no, I, I don't mean to cut you off or anything, but my um, my little light's blinking per our conversation off mic at the beginning. you got to get ready for your next interview, man. Um, yeah, man. Well, th- this is a lot of my, fun, my Jamie. And, uh, I blinking at me. <laughs> for sure. Well, um, yeah, I need to – yeah, I guess this is 2.50. Yeah, I got the 3 o'clock thing. So, but listen, I, I appreciate you watching the movie and saying nice things, and I, I'm sorry if I sound like a bitter – uh, kind of oh, curmudgeonly man. indie filmmaker, but and, and, and I'm not most of the time. But you know, there, there, I have my moments. And when I start, you know, talking about the film and talking about my work, um, you know, maybe there's a reason why I haven't gotten further than I am, and it might be my attitude. You know what I mean? It, it could no, certainly contribute. You're you're, you know? you're I don't fine. Know. You're not like, shy. I, you know, I get it. I get it. It's it's. <laughs> hey, though, in all seriousness, I'm going to watch. Um, the uh, the church one tonight. I will watch that. I added you on Instagram, and I'm gonna. Uh, I'll give you some some thoughts um, via social media. Um, I'll send you uh, an Instagram tonight, but I'm definitely watching that tonight because I want to see it. Thanks, man. Cool. And you know, again, that that is a very much a departure from my 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 kind of brand of filmmaking, which is very dark, cheerfully cynical uh, comedy. Um, so we were trying to make something a little bit more sincere because that was during covid and you know cynicism and, and dread and you know fear of the future it doesn't it, you know it was redundant to make something like that during covid so we were trying to make something a little more positive with that film there is a dark side i mean the, the second half of the movie definitely goes into some darker territory but uh but yeah i think catholics and and, and atheists and, and agnostics it, it's a movie that i think everybody would appreciate you know it's and it's also just got beautiful performances from the three from the three leads and everybody else in the movie too so but thanks thanks yeah. jamie i appreciate that awesome hey good luck and i will um i'll touch base with you uh probably later uh, this evening or first thing in the morning cool well, was i breaking up during the call or was it was it was it clean the whole time no you were fine you were great you were great Okay, cool, Jamie. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. Yep. And there you go, folks. Uh, there, he, there he is. There's the man. Oh, no words. Uh, to curl, or I'm sorry. I just messed that up again. To Kel. Uh, again, the movie we we're talking about today, that cold, dead look in your eyes. I'm in the camp that really dug this. It is a little artsy. I will say that going into it. And I stand by it. Sometimes we need a little artsy in our life, you know? I'm just saying. It's fantastic. What I failed to mention during the show, though, is um, we were just talking about some of these things. Onora is a fantastic painter as well. And if you go to his website, which we have a link up to, um, simianation.com, we also have links to his Instagram, Facebook, and IMDb and all that kind of stuff uh, up there as well. And once again, folks, those links follow. When we convert this to a podcast, 
those links follow the podcast. So you can, uh, you know, you're listening to this podcast on Spotify or whatever, um, iHeartRadio, you know, any of the, wherever you listen to podcasts at, we're on them all. Um, you can click on those links and get right there to it. And uh, so I think that's pretty cool. Anyhow, this is a good film. I like this film a lot. It's out. If you want something different, you're going to dig it. Um, or maybe you won't, you know. Onar has issues with certain aspects of it. I don't agree with them on those. I personally just loved it. I, I thought it was very, uh, very cool. Very, very cool. It took me on a on an interesting uh, on an interesting trip, you know. Um, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I I kind of think I wish I would have mentioned to him too. I got some a uh, little bit of Dante's Inferno and, and Virgil and all that in there too. I I just thought it was very. It, it worked for me on all cylinders. But then again, folks. You know, that's the thing with art, and a lot of people forget this. Art is subjective. Everybody has their own gig that they like, you know, that they that just gets their motor going. And, um, you know, so you can't, just because somebody doesn't like it doesn't mean everybody's going to like it. And, you know, look at my Spotify playlist, and if you ever get a chance, then you'll understand that. Um, drives my wife and my wrinkly dog crazy, some of the music I listen to, and some of the films that I watch. I like this one a lot cold dead look in your eyes check it out dark star pictures you know they're uh they're behind this as well and uh they rock very very cool well that's going to wrap it up for us tonight folks i'm or today i should say man i'm thinking it's nighttime it's so overcast and rainy here today that's what it feels like here in the studio you know it's just gray and dark and i don't know it's crazy kind of like the no the, the film the film was well, it was gray. It was black and white, partially, and then there was some aspect, some scenes in it that were colorized, or in color, I should say. And uh, I just thought it really worked, really, really worked. And the soundtrack was banging. I'm just saying, very synth-heavy, and I dug that a lot. Okay, folks, um, we are out of here. We are out of here for a couple days, actually. We will, we will be back on Wednesday. Interesting guest on Wednesday. He, uh, he's an author. He's wrote some uh, very cool books. His name is Chris Clues, and he's also a speaker, a motivation. Not, not, he does speaking. Well, the cool thing, you'll understand when you see the, when you, I tell you the books, it's how 80s pop culture influences corporate America and whatnot, the corporate work, uh, workplace. It's, uh, and he's got some good points, man, uh, really cool stuff. I had followed him on Facebook because I remember, like, commenting on some of his uh, – Post he had done, but I thought he was in California. I didn't know he was here. My wife and sister-in-law were up at the Sprouts, um, kind of fancy, dancy, kind of like Whole Foods, but with a different name, you know, type deal. Um, you know, you can get organic vegetables and stuff at this place. Anyway, they were up at the grocery store, and I guess ran into him, and they started BSing a little bit. And uh, you know, my wife Danny, um, they mentioned my podcast, and they said, "Well, you'd probably be great on Jamie's show." And he's like, oh, yeah, lives in my neighborhood. Didn't have a clue. Like I said, I thought he was in L.A. No, he's a couple blocks over. (laughs) So how about that? He's our guest on Wednesday. I thought that was pretty cool, pretty neat. Um, Something that doesn't happen all the time. Never happens, actually. It's it's, it's pretty – Danny's earning her keep. That's all I'm saying. She's a good gal. Anyhow, oh, big news from that front, too. We will be announcing that on my show here uh, this following week. But uh, 
she has a new venture she's doing. So there, that's all I'm going to say about that. Stay tuned. Anyhow, um, very cool. Definitely check out Owner's That Cold Dead Look in Your Eyes film this weekend. And uh, I'm going to watch several. So I'm, I'm hooked. I'm hooked on his. I want to see more. So there you go. I'm going to try to get him back on the show, too, because he was a fantastic guy. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us, folks. We will see you next time. Hey, be nice to each other when you're out and about. I know it's a weird world still. Don't be a Karen. Don't be a Karen. I, I'm so sick of Karens and whatever the male equivalent of that is. Just be cool, man. Be nice to people, huh? You ain't going to win. It ain't winning being a Karen. That's all I'm saying. Have a good one. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. This has been pop art painter Jamie Rocks' Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. It has been executive produced by Jamie Rocks, recorded at his studio in Deerfield Beach in South Florida. All rights reserved by Pop Rocks Limited for broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. Tana Oli Pop Rocks Radio. Estás escuchando Jamie Rocks de Pop Rocks Radio. Manténganse al tanto. Hey, det här är Hicks från Sverige och ni lyssnar till Pop Rocks Radio med Jamie Rocks. Blog Talk Radio.